My father has asked me to be the fourth corner at the Joy Luck Club. I am to replace my mother, whose seat at the Mahjong table has been empty since she died two months ago. My father thinks she was killed by her own thoughts. She had a new idea inside her head, said my father. But before it could come out of her mouth, the thought grew too big and burst. It must have been a very bad idea. The doctor said she died of a cerebral aneurysm, and her friends at the Joy Luck Club said she died just like a rabbit, quickly and with unfinished business left behind. My mother was supposed to host the next meeting of the Joy Luck Club. The week before she died, she called me full of pride, full of life. Auntie Lin cooked red bean soup for Joy Luck. I'm going to cook black sesame seed soup. Don't show off, I said. It's not show off. She said the two soups were almost the same. Cha bu duo. Or maybe she said, pu tong. Not the same thing at all. It was one of those Chinese expressions that means the better half of mixed intentions. I can never remember things I didn't understand in the first place. My mother started the San Francisco version of the Joy Luck Club in 1949, two years before I was born. This was the year my mother and father left China with one stiff leather trunk filled only with fancy silk dresses. There was no time to pack anything else, my mother had explained to my father after they boarded the boat. Still, his hand swam frantically between the slippery silks, looking for his cotton shirts and wool pants. When they arrived in San Francisco, my father made her hide those shiny clothes. She wore the same brown-checked Chinese dress until the Refugee Welcome Society gave her two hand-me-down dresses all too large in sizes for American women. The society was composed of a group of white-haired American missionary ladies from the First Chinese Baptist Church. And because of their gifts, my parents could not refuse the invitation to join the church, nor could they ignore the old lady's practical advice to improve their English through Bible study class on Wednesday nights and, later, through choir practice on Saturday mornings. This was how my parents met the Sus, the Jongs, and the St. Clairs. My mother could sense that the women of these families also had unspeakable tragedies they had left behind in China and hopes they couldn't begin to express in their fragile English. Or at least, my mother recognized the numbness in these women's faces, and she saw how quickly their eyes moved when she told them her idea for the Joy Luck Club. Joy Luck was an idea my mother remembered from the days of her first marriage in Kuei-Lin, before the Japanese came. That's why I think of Joy Luck as her Kuei-Lin story. It was the story she would always tell me when she was bored, when there was nothing to do, when every bowl had been washed and the formica table had been wiped down twice, when my father sat reading the newspaper and smoking one Pall Mall cigarette after another a warning not to disturb him. This is when my mother would take out a box of old ski sweaters sent to us by unseen relatives from Vancouver. She would snip the bottom of a sweater and pull out a kinky thread of yarn, anchoring it to a piece of cardboard. And as she began to roll with one sweeping rhythm, she would start her story. 
Over the years, she told me the same story, except for the ending, which grew darker, casting long shadows into her life, and eventually, into mine. I dreamed about Kui Lin before I ever saw it. My mother began speaking Chinese. I dreamed of jagged peaks lining a curving river with magic moss screening the banks. At the tops of these peaks were white mists, and if you could float down this river and eat the moss for food, you would be strong enough to climb the peak. If you slipped, you would only fall into a bed of soft moss and laugh. And once you reached the top, you would be able to see everything and feel such happiness it would be enough to never have worries in your life ever.